Amen. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. And uh, it's good to be together, all gathered at three campuses. Hello, Bel Air and Edgewood. Uh, I'm Nathan, one of the pastors here, and I'm excited to continue along in this series called It's Just a Phase. So don't miss it, right? We've been learning a lot. It's been great. And today we get to talk about young adulthood. This is sort of the kind of the time after high school until, until you're 30. We roughly can just say the 20-something years. And so I love young adults. I am no longer one, but I, I love them. I've always loved them. I remember I was reflecting, thinking about when I was a kid, how there were young adults that I really looked up to and watched closely. And then when I was a young adult, those, those were fun years. Those were hard years in some ways, but they were great. And then now that I'm old like most of the rest of y'all, I love... I still love young adults. I love uh, your energy and just the, uh, I just feel like it's this sweet spot in life where um, in ministry, you know, the cement is still very wet, uh, and, but it's getting really real, right? And there's just so many young adults, you don't even know maybe how important the decisions you're making right now are and how they're shaping the rest of your life. And so we look at it sort of as a bridge around here, like from the young to the adult. And uh, we need a bridge there because there's a, there's a chasm, there's a cliff. You know, you've probably heard some of the statistics about how uh, people who are raised in the church or have a church background in the tw- in the twenty something years, they a lot of them fall away or walk away. Um, this has sort of always been true. It's part of that stage of life, but it's uh, some say it's worse now than ever. Some say it's not. There's also statistics that show that a lot of them. A large percentage of those who do walk away will come back to the church. But, you know, we can just say uh, the sky's not falling, but it's a really, really, really crucial phase. It's an important time of life. It's a hinge point in your life and your faith and your formation. And so that's what we're talking about today. Now, talking about young adults, today, this day, and, and this date in history, we're talking about the millennials, okay? The millennial generation, born uh, 1981 to 2001. So if you're a millennial, raise your hand, be proud, show, show us who you are. Okay, look around. Okay, now this is the most talked about and written about generation in history. Okay, I've read and studied so much about you guys and I actually got sick of it. I just kind of like stopped. I burned out on hear, reading and hearing about y'all for a while. Took a break. Uh, it's a huge group. The, the boomers, baby boomers were huge, and Gen, Gen X was a little smaller, and now there's tons of millennials. You guys are really driving the bus in, in culture in a lot of ways. Uh, just FYI, I'm born uh, at the end of 79, so I'm sort of the very tail end of Gen X, but I'm sort of half and half. I'm sort of a tweener and a hybrid, I think, in the way I think. Um, I, very much half the time I feel like I identify with Gen X stuff. Half the time I feel like I identify with millennial stuff. Millennials get criticized a lot, okay? For example, won't get off their phones, not loyal, don't show respect, they're naive about organizations, they're impatient and just drop out if you don't immediately implement their ideas. They're materialistic, no work ethic, want everything handed to them, they're entitled, everything's over-sexualized, they live, they've grown up in this sex-saturated world. And like I said, they're, they're walking away from Christianity, you know? And some of those statements and criticisms are fair and true, and some of them are not. Okay, And so mainly we're just talking about a different group, a new generation, in a world that has been shaped, and they have been shaped by the, this world, that, um, shaped by the strengths and the weaknesses of the generations that came before them. And so some of the things that have shaped young adults today are heavy parental involvement, the, the helicopter parents. I know there's none in, in this room probably, but um, 
hovering and controlling. Uh, fear of low self-esteem, okay? This is the generation that grew up with trophies for everybody, right? Participation, yay! Uh, the consumer age, okay? Millennials have been marketed to and spun and sold to from the moment they open their eyes. Uh, technology everywhere, right? You had technology integrated into everything from day one. So uh, there's a lot of positive things that I love about this generation. Um, they're less worried about status and just climbing these career ladders. They want to change the world. They love each other. You guys love each other. You're more positive and optimistic and full of hope, and you're very creative, very mobile, very smart, extremely educated, uh, less, much less prejudice and, and judgmentalism, right? Um, tolerance almost gets elevated too high sometimes, but we're not, you guys are not judging people. You're not worried about race and ethnicity like previous generations. In fact, many, more and more people in our world are of multiple ethnicities, and the bigger issue going forward is going to be class differences. But um, ministering to young adults is a challenge. It really is. There's a, there's a bunch of reasons. There's a great variety. This is a, there's a big age range, right? I remember one time uh, we had a recent uh, high school graduate come into a young adult event, and the first person he saw was one of his high school teachers. And they were like, oh, we're like in the same thing now, you know? It's awkward sometimes. There's a big range in maturity. Um, there's married and single. And don't ever, by the way, equate married and single to mature and not mature. I know some very immature married young adults and some very mature single young adults, and don't, just don't ever forget that Jesus and Paul and a lot of other wise people have uh, chosen to remain single. Um, there's this thing called emerging adulthood. This is Hayden Shaw, who was recently here with us at Mountain, is this ge- generational expert, and um, he, okay, think in your mind right now, at what age does someone become an adult, okay? Get your number. All right, now turn and tell somebody around you. Okay, and there's always laughter there. Um, so listen to this. S- studies have shown that in our culture today, we don't believe a person is an adult until age 26. Now, listen, remarkably, you know who really agrees with that and says the same thing in the studies? 20-somethings. And, and see, they say it takes, it takes that long to figure out what I want to do, my career. Do I want to commit to a long-term love relationship? Have I... To, to have saved enough money to be out on their own. And you know what's fascinating? Of the five generations that are now operating in, in our world and in our churches, this is one of the few things on which they all very much agree. Pretty much everybody agrees. 26 is now the new age at which you're an, officially an adult. And so what that means is we have this new phase, this new category. It's like a paradigm shift, this thing called emerging adulthood. And so we can say things like extended adolescence, which is real, Okay, we can say things like failure to launch, like get out of the basement. Right. But but if we only talk in these negative terms and don't step back and look at some changing realities, we we're missing the point. Uh, Reggie Joyner, another expert, another person who's been with us recently in Mountain, talks about extending, extending the finish lines, the traditional finish lines, because we no longer live in a world where people kind of start working a trade, right, or, start, or, or have worked on a farm. The economic realities are now different. They're just different. It's harder to get out on your own. It just is. And so we're dealing with prior generations who were raised and wired up and thought differently. So I'm planting the seed, and I'm pretty persuaded by this emerging adulthood thing. I'm just planting the seed with, of that um, with you today. We don't have time to go fully into it. But let, think about this. Um, you ever heard of the, um, the overlooked middle child? Right? Anybody, maybe, maybe you're from a family. The, the first kid gets all this attention. 
the, uh, the baby gets all this attention, and then there's these children in the middle. Anybody here feel like you're an overlooked middle child that hasn't been seen or heard? Raise your hand if you are. Just come on, raise your hand. Come on, don't be scared. I guess there's, that's weird. There's none in here in a room this size. There's no middle children. That's weird. Well, um, maybe they'll be in the next service. But we, uh, I feel like sometimes in the church, young adults are sort of the over, overlooked middle child. Uh, we, we tend to do a better job, maybe, not just, I'm not talking about Mountain, I'm talking about the church in general, uh, of just like defining and celebrating and programming for kids and students and other groups kind of on the other end. But we, we struggle uh, with not losing young adults in the shuffle sometimes. I think it's sort of a chicken and an egg thing. Which came first, right? Are they hard to minister to because this is a time of life when they're sort of naturally distancing themselves? Or are they distancing themselves because we sort of lag behind and fail to understand and, and really reach them? Well, I think it's yes. I think it's both. So we're here today to talk about young adulthood. And uh, as we've been saying each week, I think, I think there's something here for all of us to learn uh, and to grow today. So first, I want to talk to you young adults. Okay, um, there's a lot of stuff in the scriptures. If you read, if you get into the Bible, a lot of stuff in there about meditating on your life, about pondering and probing things, things like consider your ways, examine yourself. And so today, the text I want to look at today is First uh, Thessalonians chapter five, verses 19 through 22. This is a letter, a New Testament letter written by Paul to a local church in Thessalonica, modern day, uh, I think it's called, pronounced Thessaloniki, or, or Thessaloniki. This is the second most important city in Greece today. It's a real place, real church. Acts 17 tells us how it got started. This is a pastoral letter. Paul is expressing his heart and his love for these people. Okay? He's, he spends the first part of the letter just reminding them of who they are. And just how, how much they are loved and how they're in God. And then he spends the rest of the letter, most of the letter, urging or exhorting them toward further growth and further service and more and deeper love. So here's, here's the verses. He says, do not quench the spirit of God. Don't put it out like pouring water on a fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Prophecy just means a word from God for the people of God. We, very little prophecy is actually predicting the future as we kind of misuse that word. It's usually almost always for the here and now. You could equate it to a word like preaching, something like that. Okay, So whatever's from God, whatever you're hearing about God that purports to be from God, test it, weigh it, sift it, think through it, talk through it, do some discernment. And then whatever is good, whatever holds up, you hold on to that. And whatever is bad, whatever is evil, whatever doesn't stand up, you reject that, and then you carry on down the, down the road. So I'm going to give you today maybe my two favorite images. I'm going to kind of mix two metaphors for what young adulthood is, okay? So you saw me probably carry out my, my trusty old backpack here. I love to go backpacking. I love, um, this is where, you know, camping and whatnot, but you don't just drive up. This is when you go out in the backcountry and everything you're going to need for however long you're going to be out there, you're carrying it, right, on your back. It's here. And so you're walking along, you're moving up the trail, and I want you to think about uh, your life and your faith and your spiritual life this way as well. Growing up, you've been given a backpack and you've been given over time all this gear and these things that you're going to supposedly need for the journey. By, by your parents, your community. Uh, and so at some point, 
You're walking down the journey and the trail of your life and you go, you, you kind of go, oh man, this is getting heavy. Or, you, or maybe you just get enough distance like from mom and dad and, and you're out there. And one of the reasons I love going backpacking is just to be out there alone with my thoughts. And, and you, you quiet down and you go, hmm. And you sort of set down your pack and you sort of take inventory of what's in there, right? So I'm just going to pull out whatever I got in here. So here's a, here's a map book. It's my Bible, my journal, another book, uh, my pillow. Got to have that duct tape. Got to always have duct tape. There's a, cu- a cup. I got matches. I got ibuprofen. There's a knife, uh, some rope, a water bottle, first aid kit, flashlight, um, sunglasses, toilet paper. Need that. Food. Let's see. We got stove, fuel for the stove, water purifier, um, pots and pans, towel. Okay, what else we got in here? We got my sleeping bag and my sleeping pad. Okay, I need those. And then, let's see what else. We'll pull one more thing out. How about my tent? Okay. And so, you look at all this stuff, and you say, is this still good? Is this really what I need? Do I need to carry all this stuff around? And, you know, do I need to, are there places where I need to upgrade? Does does it all still fit? Is it the right thing for me? Any of it worn out? And I think we do that spiritually, right? We say, you know, here's here's my Bible, my journal. It's like, all right, what do I believe? Not what do my mom and dad put in me and tell me to believe? What do I really believe? And, and, and the map, you know, where, where do I really need to be heading? What is really the goal of my life, right? Um, what, this, the filter, like, how am I going to filter the information coming at me? And what am I going to do when, it gets, when life gets messy, right? What's my plan? What do I believe about uh, peace and war and the use of force? What do I really believe about that stuff? You know, this is, this is basically my bed, when I go camping, what do I believe about where I lay and who lays with me and sex and sexuality and morals and ethics? What do I believe about home and family? And so you, get, you enter into this process, and I think that is what young adulthood is. You do the First Thessalonians 5 thing. Listen to this. this I'm going to read it again in another version. This is the message version. Don't suppress the spirit. Don't stifle those who have a word from the master. Receive good gifts. Somebody wants to give me great gear. I'm not going to reject them. On the other hand, don't be gullible. Don't just carry around junk for no reason. You know, I heard a story about some guys that went backpacking. Uh, Okay, this is my dad and some guys from my church I grew up with. This one guy was just arrogant. As a younger guy, he was just arrogant, driving everybody crazy. And they had hiked in and camped, and now they were about to hike back, long hike over this mountain. And he was just selling off all his stuff, and he was bragging about how he wasn't going to have anything to carry out. So a couple guys took him off to see something, and the rest of them filled his pack with all the trash, everybody's trash. And he carried all the trash out that day. And he didn't talk, uh, near, brag or talk nearly as much after that. But they, you know, the point, is, I don't know if that was a nice thing to do or not, but he, he learned a lesson. And the point is, he didn't check. It says here, check out everything and keep only what's good. He didn't do that. So he walked around with a bunch of trash in his pack. And it says, throw out anything tainted with evil. 
And then pack your pack back up and carry on down the trail. Life is a journey. Faith is a journey. The earliest Christians were called people of the way. So young adults, I just want to say to you today that this process spiritually is just incredibly important. It is very important. It is what you are supposed to be doing in this time of your life. And secondly, I want to say that this is a place, this community is a safe place and a good place for you to do that. We truly want to help you do that, to do it well, to be prepared and supplied for the journey so that you can walk well. Does that make sense? So now let me um, turn now and talk to the uh, older adults for, for a few minutes. So that thing that I just said, I just wrote a check that now you are going to have to cash. You are either going to make me into a prophet or a liar based on what I just invited young adults to do among us in our community. Will they or won't they really be able to show up and to go through this process? You know, some of this has to do with programs, and we on the church staff will continue to learn and grow and tweak and rearrange and reconfigure and program as best we can for young adults. But, you know, this is really more of a culture thing. It has to be bigger than programs. You know, so will we be a community where this First Thessalonians 5 process is the norm? And I'm thankful that in many ways we already are. But we've got to step it up. We've got to crank it way up. If we want to battle back against those statistics and keep young adults from walking away or falling away or getting stuck spiritually or wandering off, if we want to be a community where there is a bridge for those who have walked away to find a clear and a safe pathway back into relationship with God, into the people of God. We've got a lot more work to do. So look around the room and look into your life. Think about the young adults that you know and care about who are not in this room. And think about how we're going to be that kind of community. There's a couple books I would highly recommend. There's many more, but uh, Reggie Joyner, again, he wrote this book called The Slow Fade, Why You Matter in the Story of 20-somethings. And then Hayden Shaw's book, Generational IQ, just talks about the generations and the the ways that we work together. And then I want to give you three words today about what young adults are seeking, what they need from the rest of us, okay? So um, the first word is authentic. Just be real. I heard someone say one time, authentic trumps cool every time. I would just say authentic now is cool. And one of the things I love about millennials is how they've brought to the greater culture this value, which is a kingdom of God value. And we celebrate when those things overlap of authenticity and integrity. Just be you because that's who you, that's what you should do. Don't wear these masks. But you know, Satan is still at work. We still get caught up in this image stuff and our false selves kind of take over. And we got a battle to always be real and authentic. And I'm telling you, Uh, young people respond to that kind of leadership. They really do. Um, And they remember, they have grown up being spun and marketed to constantly. And so um, thankfully they've moved past some of the cynicism and distrust of Generation X, but they have developed excellent, um, what I'll call hypocrisy detectors, right? They can smell fake a mile away and they reject it. Secondly, be available. Bob Goff was here recently. He's the guy that wrote Love Does. He's in his 60s. He's an older guy, but he just so appeals to people all across generations. And he really appeals to young adults. And one of the reasons they responded to him so well is because he he published his cell phone number at the end of the Love Does book. He just put it in there and said, call me. 
And people do it. And actually, when, before he came here, a couple groups, uh, mountain groups called him and he answered. And he spent time with some of our young adults. And he spent time with the mountain riders, uh, our motorcycle group. And, and you know, he, he'll answer the phone if you're with him. And uh, Kirk Boland gave him a ride from the airport. And this is one of the things he said to Kirk. He said, you know, I'll never be the smartest leader in the world, but I can be the most available. That's kind of his strategy. And it's working. So if you really want to help to facilitate this process for young adults, you want to carry on the faith to the next generation, you want to have a church and a world that's better for your kids and grandkids, you have to carve out some time and space and margin in your life for young adults. Now, the third word is act, because to be available is like to open a door, but to act is to take a step through it, right? Actually, sometimes it's, it's stepping back. Right? It's letting young adults actually lead and contribute and have a voice. It's putting aside your preferences. You know, the classic example of this in churches is music, right? The volume of the music, the style of the music. Or there's a bunch of other examples, but the question is, are you more concerned about being comfortable and catered to, or are you more concerned about creating a place and a community where young adults will be made to feel at home and will be... Feel welcome to go through this process we're talking about. You know what you can do, too? You can be a mentor to someone. Now, what, what that isn't is, oh, yes, I would love somebody to, to control and boss around because my kids don't let me do that anymore for some reason. So sign me up. No. What it is is to be a listener, right? Hayden Shaw says, be a person they can think out loud with. Reggie Joyner has great stuff on mentoring. He says, our role is to celebrate the steps they are taking, not highlight the ones they haven't. When you start working on a project, arriving at the end is always the mission. When you begin mentoring a person, the process itself is the mission. Halting the slow fade happens when adults, older adults start investing in college-aged people. Engaging their hearts and minds doesn't require anything fancy. It requires a willingness toward mutual fascination with one another and an openness toward sharing a journey together. You know, let them on your team, whatever team you're on. If you're in a men's study, women's study, couples study, you're on a serving team, you're doing whatever in your life, look around. Do we have 20-somethings? Well, if not, get them on board. They love teams. They've grown up doing everything in teams. They love, millennials love teams. You know, sometimes these, these words lead to another A word, um, adopt. Not like legally or literally, but I'm just to tell you our story. We have like all these young adults now that are family to us, and they... Uh, we love them and they love us. And they come visit us and they hang out at our house and they pray for us. We pray for them. One was over a couple nights ago and, you know, we're just hanging out. She's playing with my kids. She's talking to Aaron. Uh, we have had some food and it's like no big deal. But, you know, I think it's a big deal. It might be a big deal in her life and it's a big deal for us. It's a blessing to our family. So you heard Ben mention last week all the needs for new leaders in Mountain Kids Ministry. And that's probably, there's probably still some... Some of that, a week later, there's still needs. But if you're not into, maybe, maybe leading kids is not your thing. What about investing in young adults? So if you're, if, if you're interested in that, contact Sarah Willie. Okay, I'm putting her email up. Here's a photo. This is the mo- most millennial photo ever. It's a selfie at an Imagine Dragons concert. <laughs> so write her and say, I, I want to invest in young adults through Mountain. Help me figure out how to do that. I have some ideas, whatever. And or just do it. Find one of them. Take them to lunch or coffee. Start listening to them. Better yet, invite them alongside to do something with you. And if they say no thanks, or more likely if they just like text you no thanks, or (laughs) awkwardly look back at their phone and walk away, whatever, don't get like all upset. 
Okay? Just go to find another one and ask them. And I promise you, it won't take you long to find a young adult who would be honored to walk with you and to pick your brain and to learn from you and to be your friend. And just remember, you don't have to feel all this pressure to give them everything they need. All you have to do is give them some of what you have and help them point them toward next steps to connect with the other people or the other whatever resources to to get what they need. So let me talk back to you young adults for a minute. These three words still apply, right? Authentic. You guys are usually good at this, but you can put on masks sometimes too, especially in the church. Be real. Bring it. Available. Step one, put the phone down. Now, wait, I know y'all clapping, but a lot of y'all are guilty of the same thing. I'm preaching to myself too on that one. It's hard. It is hard. Uh, you know, a study showed that said half of millennials would give up their sense of smell over their cell phone or their computer. And when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh. And then I was like, actually, I don't know. I'm still thinking about that one. But let me tell you this. You have got to tear yourself away. You have to create some boundaries. You have to have Sabbath times. And you cannot lose the skill, because it's always going to be important, of talking and connecting and interacting to people face to face. I heard something recently about the resurgence of popularity of the TV show Friends. Okay, it's kind of pre-cell phone days. How I Met Your Mother is in the same category. Young adults are loving these shows because they're seeing these people do something they don't see in real life. They sit around and talk to one another and interact with one another and spend time with one another with no screens between them. And so if you're a young adult and you're fascinated by this, you recognize you're longing for this, here's what you do. Set aside a night, a whole evening, or a whole Saturday, or a whole weekend... And then sit by yourself and binge watch all the seasons of Friends. I'm just kidding. No, don't, don't do that. Get with some real people. Make some space. Make yourself available for people. Spend time with, with friends. Put the phone away. You know, you won't, it won't be as clever or cute as what you see on TV. That's fake. But it'll be real. And I'm telling you, community in real life is fun and it's hard and it's messy and it's stranger than fiction, but it's beautiful. And it's what we're created for. And it's church. And it happens all the time around here. I love seeing it. And you got to act. You got to seek out a mentor. Someone's probably, I hope that someone will find you and ask you. But, you know, a friend uh, about my age sent me this quote this week. He said, "I, I heard an elderly man recently say, the frustrating thing about getting older is that when you're old, You finally know some of the answers, but no one bothers to ask the questions. And he said, that's so true. I remember not asking for anything, much less advice. My attitude was, I'll figure it out. If I could do it again, I would find mentors early. So young adults, find a mentor, and here's what not to do. Okay, find someone you really respect and and want to mentor you. Do that, but then do do not ask them to be your mentor. Don't say, will you mentor me, because that's a scary question. That sounds like, will you adopt me? Will you parent me? And the people that you're asking are probably, probably got a lot going on. And so here's what you do. Ask for a little bit of their time. Ask for coffee or lunch or something like that. And you 
be specific and you come prepared and you have great questions and you send the questions ahead of time if you can and you be grateful and respectful and if it goes well, it'll happen again and that's going to be called mentoring. And if you're, by the way, young adults, you start mentoring somebody else, whatever you got, pour it into some kid or some middle schooler and listen to them and help them the way you want somebody to listen to you and help you. Serving mountain kids or student ministry or whatever. This is a win all around because the, the, the little kids get heroes, right? And you old, old people, you get to be cooler by association. And you get to learn how to actually use your phone and your computer. And you get to, you get to learn good, better stuff than that too. Because remember, learning goes in both directions. And you get to do something mean, meaningful. And, and young adults, you probably get some free food. You uh, get to move from acceptance to belonging. You get to move from you're welcome here to you are important here. And guess what? The most important thing you get, you get this thing called wisdom. It's one of the most precious treasures in the universe. The Bible is full of, it says, get it. Proverbs chapter 4, just part of verse 7 says this. Get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get it. It's a treasure. And so where do you get wisdom? From others who have it. Who has it? All these old people. Actually, not all of them. (laughs) The ones who know and submit to God and who have lived through some stuff. They have wisdom. You need to go get it. The world gets, when we do this, the world gets more and better disciples of Jesus. That's our mission as a church. It's a win all around. So I'm going to end... Uh, by, with the second image I want to share with y'all, and it's a story from the Bible, and I think it's just a perfect picture of what young adulthood is. Uh, it's the story of Jacob when he wrestled with God, or wrestled with an angel. And uh, Jacob was not a young adult at the time, but I think it's a great image for us. So the story is Jacob has got his pack on, and he's walking down the road with all his family and all his possessions, and he has not lived the greatest life. He's not been the greatest guy. He's lied and cheated. He's got major drama with his brother. He's got major drama with multiple ladies, okay? He's cheated some people. And now, but now he's trying to make it right. He's trying to grow up. And he's walking toward facing the music with his brother. And he stops to camp and he sends everyone else along. And he sets up camp by the river by himself. And he is stressed and he is afraid. And so the first thing he does is he prays. And what he does, he says to God, he says, God, I'm stressed and I'm afraid. And the second thing he says to God is, and you know what? You've made some promises and I'm claiming them right now. You've got to come through, God. And so then this really strange story unfolds. And I'm not going to put the words up. I'm going to put this image up that I think is a nice uh, artistic representation of this. And I'm just going to read the story from Genesis chapter 32. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him all night till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob answered, then the man said, Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face. And yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping 
because of his hip. Now, I, I love this weird little story. It, we see that the man he's wrestling with, Jacob eventually recognizes it's God himself. He's wrestling with God. And so notice a couple things. One, he comes away limping. And I'm just telling you, you're going to come out of young adulthood limping one way or another. And it is, I just want to say, young adults, it is much better to come away limping because you have wrestled with God than because you have destroyed your life with sin. And secondly, I want you to notice that he comes away better. He's a new man. He, is, he has a new name. He has changed. He has gained clarity. He has gained courage. He now knows much better what to carry and what to leave behind on his journey. If you keep reading, he picks up his pack and he keeps on up the trail and he meets his brother. And God is faithful. He guards his life and he blesses him and he keeps his promises. And he gets, remember what the new name was? Israel, which becomes the name of the people of God. He becomes a very, a patriarch of the people of God, the nation of Israel, our spiritual ancestors as the church. So here's the deal. Young adults, wrestle with God. Do it. I want you to hear this very clearly. You and your friends, all your friends, whatever race and ethnicity, whatever, if you call yourself gay or straight or L or G or B or T or Q or whatever label you or someone else has put on you, you're welcome here. If you do believe in God, don't believe in God, you, you've, you love God, you think you might hate God, you know, you, you don't know what you think about God, but you know you're a spiritual being who has questions, you're welcome here. If you're single, you're married, you have kids, you have no kids, you chose not to have a kid, you're welcome here. Everybody is welcome here because I believe you and I were created for this church, community, together, centered around Christ. And here you will find grace and truth. And guess what? We need you. The church needs you. We need to hear from you. We need your passion, your energy, your ideas, your questions, your insights, your leadership. God created each of you to be a part of the body of Christ. And when you hear stuff that you don't like or you don't understand or you disagree with, give us grace and let's talk about it. This phase is so important. Do not miss it. You are invited to come among this people and any other community that's centered on Jesus Christ, to sit down your pack and to wrestle with God. Get in the ring, get in the octagon, get in the mud and duke it out with God. That's a big part of what church is. And the rest of us, we're going to help. Sometimes we'll, we'll be referees, right? We'll set boundaries and, and blow the whistle if you're not fighting fair. Sometimes we're coaches. We pass along what we've learned. We encourage you and inspire you to get back in there when you feel like quitting and then patch you up when you're, when you're hurting. Some, and sometimes and always, actually, we will just be fellow wrestlers like, hey, try this move. Or, or we're fellow hikers and walkers on the journey. We say, I don't know, try this piece of gear that's worked for me. Walk with me. Let's walk together because this is a journey. So I want to ask you all again, all of you, are we and will we be that type of community? And in faith I say yes, with the help of Jesus. And so let's end our time together by praying in his name right now. Loving God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to freely gather in your name. 
and thank you for the phase of life that is sometimes so fun and sometimes so hard and sometimes so confusing called young adulthood. May we be a community that reflects your heart in everything we do and say to and with and for and around young adults. Lord, bless our 20-somethings and bless all those. May we be a blessing to every 20-something inside and outside of these walls in our sphere of influence uh, because may we love them as much as you love them. Uh, God, thank you so much for Jesus who modeled the way to live for us. And it's in, in his name we pray. Amen.